0: Cotney Construction Law is dedicated to helping the construction industry in legal, risk, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's Law & Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney.
1: Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to our first official Law & Mortar podcast. Uh, for those of you that have been following us in the past, we have done Law & Mortars before, but we did them via Facebook Live. Uh, that was probably two or three years ago. And while those were good, we decided we'd, we'd try to kind of step it up a little bit and and uh, bring up a, a better format. So we're going to try to do these at least every other week, maybe every week, and uh, get some information out there. Um, obviously, the law side is me. Uh, my name is Trent Cotney. I am CEO of Cotney Construction Law, Cotney Consulting Group. And uh, I focus primarily on representing uh, contractors and trades throughout the United States. Uh, I am general counsel of NRCA, FRSA, Western States, and several other associations uh, in the roofing industry. And uh, what I'm going to focus on is giving you some real world uh, advice and guidance that can help you in your business. And then we have John Kinney. John Kinney is the the mortar part of the equation. John's got 45 years experience uh, in the construction industry, serving for roofing companies. Uh, He has uh, been everything from someone on the roof actually doing the work, laborer to an estimator to chief operating officer. Uh, and he has worked at uh, very large companies, uh, top 50 roofing contractors. So we are lucky to have him. He is chief op- operating officer and technical director of Continent Construction Law. And he is also a CEO and uh, our lead person on Continent Consulting Group. So we're really fortunate to have him here. And I think we're gonna have some great discussions. So John, how are you doing?
0: Uh, Doing good, Trent. Glad it's Friday. It's uh, been a long week, been busy. Uh, Looking forward to the weekend.
1: Yeah, same here, man. I tell you, it's it's we go hard. That's for sure. (laughs) So, uh, what I want to hit on is is uh, some of the big topics that you and I have been facing. And you know, we get calls from you know contractors daily, and that's a lot of what you and I do. Is just kind of I call it business therapy. We're we're constantly fielding calls and trying to, um, you know, resolve problems when they happen. One of the biggest issues that that I've been getting calls on this week has been that Paycheck Protection Program loan from the CARES Act. And uh, there was some guidance that was put out, uh, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, that called into question whether or not certain contractors should keep the funds. So, you know, and I know, John, you've you've been hearing me kind of lament some of these issues. The, The issues that contractors are facing is, there's really just not enough guidance out there. There's not enough uh, information to help tell contractors whether or not they should keep these funds. So when this guidance came out, what it said was, look, if you've got sufficient uh, access to liquidity, uh, if you are, are cash capitalized, if you don't need the funds, okay, if you can't truly attest that you need the funds, then you need to give them back. Originally, they said you need to give them back by May 7th. And then they extended that to May 14th, okay? So we've had a lot of calls from contractors that are concerned because the guidance doesn't really define what liquidity is. Does that mean credit lines? Does it not mean credit lines? And what I'm trying to tell uh, contractors, John, is, is you've got to look, each situation is different, okay? Obviously, if you're a larger company, if you're receiving more than $2 million in these PPP funds, you need to recognize that you're going to be audited. So that's a heightened level of scrutiny. But what I'm telling contractors is obviously proceed with caution, but tell me why you think you need the funds. Outline it to me. What is your current cash and operating? What is, your, um, you know, what is your long-term projections look like, not just the next couple of months, but moving forward? Do you have the capability to support payroll as you move in you know, through the crisis over the next few months? And I know, John. I was kind of talking to you a little bit about it. What what other things should contractors be looking at to kind of make that decision as to whether or not to keep these funds?
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, you know when we've been talking to them, your accounts receivable, uh, you know, ha- has patterns changed? Um, you know, do you see it tightening up? Are, are you running into collection problems, extended pay, you know, payout? All that will come into the formula as far as looking at, you know, the need for, for this money, which I think it is a very good program. And a lot of contractors out there absolutely need it. It's going to be a matter of survival for them in the next couple of months, uh, continually going, especially if their receivables are, are drying up. So, you know, again, you're on the law side, I'm on the business side, but I think hopefully they're not getting too scared by, by what they're hearing out there and listening to the solid advice that, you know, you and the other team have been working on giving them. But definitely look at your receivables, and you know your your cash flow is an important thing. Without it, it's the lifeblood of your company. And I, I'm sure if you haven't seen it change, you're going to shortly.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the issue that I've been trying. There's some contractors that are still sort of what I call in the the honeymoon period, and they you know the the statements I get is oh well you know productions remain the same, everything's good and. I, I'm not concerned about what production looks like now. I'm, I'm more focused on September, October, November, you know, as we get into those months when the stimulus checks have dried up, when, you know, the PPP funds are exhausted, what does it look like then? So what I recommend, and, and again, this is not a baller strike call. So everybody, everybody that's listening to this needs to understand that there is no, uh, I can't definitively tell you one way or another whether or not you should keep the funds. What I would suggest is you put all the reasons why you believe you need the funds, okay? Whether it's it's your accounts receivable, whether it's it's your scheduling, whether it's your access to capital and cash, all of that stuff, and you document it, okay? Because that shows uh, the SBA and anybody that's ultimately going to look into whether or not you're entitled to it, what your mindset was prior to the safe harbor date passing, okay? And is that gonna is that gonna be the slam dunk that helps you? You know, not necessarily, but at least it's something that shows what you were thinking at the time you decided to keep the funds. So proceed with caution. If you have any concerns, err on the side of being conservative. But that's kind of what we're seeing there. And John, you know, one of the other things that I think you kind of hit it on accounts receivable. You know, one of the things that that I've been hearing a lot of from contractors lately is not only is money getting tighter, but it's harder to get change orders executed. It's harder to get, um, you know, uh, payment for extras and delays and things like that. And I know you've had a lot of experience on the front lines as, as you know, working for contractors, you know. Um, and I, I firmly believe that, that a lot of what a contractor needs to do is make sure that they're properly submitting change orders and they're advocating in those change orders and request for information. So if you have an RFI that needs to be sent to an architect or an engineer about something that could ultimately result in you getting some extra money for a claim, you need to write that RFI in a way to where the architect or the engineer has to has to come back and say, you know what, I agree, this is an extra, let's move this forward and you're entitled to to additional money. So there is, there is a true art to writing change orders and RFIs. And, John, what's been your experience with that? I mean, I know you've, you've you know, as a CEO for other construction companies, you've had the capability of seeing all aspects of it. What, what have you seen out there?
0: Yeah, biggest thing when it comes to change order requests or additional work or even if you have a dispute of what's in your, your contractual obligations, which ends up being a change order if you can prove it's not, is the documentation process. You absolutely must ask it in a way, put it in writing that shows that you did not have it. You just can't say, I want to get this money because I'm entitled to, because this changed, show it. The better and more detailed you are on the front end, you raise your chances significantly of getting it passed through on the first, if not second time. Most times it does go through due processes because they're gonna come back. But it's very hard to change your argument in the second round, but it's a lot easier to defend your position on the second round if you've stated it well. Don't try to just throw a lump sum out there, oh, this should cost $50,000. Show why it is. If you show your material, break it out, show your labor, show your equipment. These are the times when you're putting them in. Don't forget to put in, if it's a TPO job, the heat welder. Use your equipment schedule, break everything down, a knife blade, everything you use, you're entitled to recover on that change order. The more detailed you are, the better chance you're gonna have of getting it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, I, I see so many times where we often get called into change order disputes, okay, after it's kind of gone south. And when I'm looking at the change order, it's pretty obvious that the contractor just slapped something together and sent it out and didn't really think about the advocacy side of it you know you, you have to submit these change orders these, these RFIs in a way to where you're putting your your best foot forward okay not just for your customer but for a judge or an arbitrator or anybody else that happens to see it down the road so having that advocacy hat on is, is incredibly important it's not just numbers it's not just you know attaching documents it's also telling a story and if you can tell that story in a way that you might be able to convince your customer, and you might be able to convince a judge or jury or an arbitrator if it comes to that. So, John, you know, I want, um, uh, obviously, I'm pleased as punch that, that uh, you're here with Cotney. It's, it's been, I've, you know, I've considered you a friend for 20 years now. And uh, you have done incredible things, and even in the short amount of time that you're here. But I'm really excited about what Cotney Consulting has done. And uh, we just have so many big things going on. Why don't, you, why don't we talk a little bit about some of those things? Tell us some of the stuff that Cotton Consulting Group is right now and some of the great things you're working on.
0: Sure. Well, we're, you know, we're doing the basics in business coaching. We have quite a few clients on board that uh, need just hourly advice, very similar to the way it works with the subscription plans. Um, they, need to, they need to hear, you know, some top-end, higher-end stuff that they may not know. And a lot of times it's just a matter of someone listening to them to say, you know, to kick the ideas back and forth. So that's the basics of coaching. And then on top of that, you know, we have a lot of things going on with uh, financial analysis and uh, operating procedures and all the things that really are are making to be successful in there. Um, Some of the other things we have going on, which I'm really excited about, is uh, we're working with a multitude of clients building out a smart sheet solution. Um, We're going to have some more stuff coming out on that but uh, the efficiency that we're able to give the client moving back and forth in their processes and the information um, that's at the fingertips. And I know that, uh, on that trend, you, you, we've done that here in the firm. So I think you can attest to how much it is, how nice it is to have a dashboard sitting in front of you with your critical KPIs right there as you need to know where you stand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, for those of you that are listening to this, that don't know what SmartSheet is, or don't, you know, want a little bit more detail You know, I I am, I know enough about technology to be dangerous. So let me explain it in in sort of a layman's um, perspective. Smartsheet is like the operating system for your company. And one of the biggest problems that construction companies have out there is they've got a bunch of different software which doesn't communicate with other points of the software. So you may have, you know, billing and invoicing that doesn't communicate with your CRM or your payables or your receivables and the problem is is that it's just an unorganized mess it creates inefficiency and um, that's a big problem especially when you have to kind of tighten your belt a little bit so what smartsheet does is it's great as sort of um, the layer on top it interfaces with other software through apis and has the capability of really being a a sort of visual management system i'm not an excel spreadsheet kind of guy john knows that (laughs) I, I like I like colorful charts and graphs. And what's interesting about SmartSheet is it gives you all that information in an easy to read format, and you have everything at your fingertips. And what I really like about it is, is let's say, you know, I want to look into production numbers, and I've got the the charts and the the graphs in front of me, but I want to dive into the details. All I got to do is click on something, and it takes me right to those Excel spreadsheets and those things that I need to to really see what the data is. So. We're excited about it because I think it provides sort of an all-encompassing technology solution for contractors that are out there, and uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how this progresses, and, and you know, we, I think we've just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg right now because there's a lot more that we can do. What's what's really interesting is through the affinity partners that, um, that we've been able to get, uh, we're interfacing with a lot of their software and adding it to the mix, so... Our affinity partners uh, right now are FCS Java, which is um, a leader in roofing management software. Great people, great team. Uh, We have Harness Safety Software. We also have Atlantic Equipment, which provides for safety, and we've got several others that we'll be announcing here shortly. But ultimately, the idea is to be able to provide solutions. That's what uh, Cotton Consulting is about, and that's what John has been working on. John, something else that I'm, I'm really excited about uh, is sort of our expansion in, into Canada. And uh, I've had great relationships with Canadian roofing contractors for some time. Uh, you know, we um, have gone back and forth and I've talked to them about a variety of things over the years, but it got to a point where it just kind of made sense that we started looking into expanding there, especially for consulting. Uh, given a lot of our relationships. And I know, John, you've got you know 15,000 plus followers on LinkedIn, well known in the industry and, and not just here in the US, but everywhere. But uh, we've made that leap and we have uh, procured office space in Toronto. And, and John, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that and kind of what we're planning there?
0: Yeah, uh, we'll actually be uh, releasing some more social media on our, our new place. Um, we're in the process of moving hopefully by Monday we'll have our everything secured and be able to start moving in. Um, you're correct. It's a good fit. Um, we have a lot of friends in Canada. I enjoy working with the Canadian roofers up there and some of them have offices here in the United States as well as in Canada. Uh, it's a great fit, I think for both legal and consulting side and the the organization the Canadian organization on roofing contractors, they are, are with open arms, uh, with their contractor base, it's a tight knit organization. Everyone works well together, and and really enjoy um, helping them and giving them some in- insight into the industry and on the technological side, and as well as on the business operations side. Because there's always roofing's roofing, no matter what part of the world you're in. You you start at the deck and you work your way up, and in the same way with the businesses. It's all there. Right. All forward to it. Exciting exciting times coming up.
1: It is, it is. And it's, uh, it's, what's really interesting is as we start, you know, looking and expanding into other countries, there are, there are obviously, you know, government differences. There are things along those lines that, that that from an outside perspective may make roofing a little bit different, but the, how roofing is done, the process, the procedure is pretty much the same everywhere you go. And um, the one thing that's always attracted me to the industry has been the family type environment. And, uh, I can tell you firsthand that, that, uh, that carries over wherever you're at. So I look forward to continued conversations. Please stay tuned for more on that as we kind of, kind of move forward. John, I want to, I want to head back to the business side of things. And there's a lot of people now that are concerned about, you know, COVID and, and what that means to their business. If you had to give them some advice on, you know, some things to watch out for some, some best practices, you know, uh, so they sleep a little better at night. What would you tell them? Well, I think you brought up a good point. We have to start with,
0: with the basics. There's a, everyone is still in the honeymoon period right now. Um, unfortunately, we're going to tighten up uh, economically. There's just no way around it. Um, 30 this morning, I see another 3 or 4 million on unemployment. So we're teetering between 33 and 36 million right now in unemployment. And there are some industries that are not going to go back. They figure 25% of those on unemployment, their jobs are probably going to go away, which also is, so that's a little bit on the doom side, but that's also be optimistic. That's going to birth industries and technology to replace those jobs. So people are now working on retraining and different things. So how does that go for your roofing business? Well, One is you want to make sure you're tight. You have to be internally tight. Look at your procedures. Make sure you've rode through recessions before. This one may be a little bit higher wave than what we're used to, but it's still the basics. Don't be wasteful. Keep your key people involved. Have management meetings. Get everybody's ideas out on the table and continue to work on your relationships. Relationships with your existing customers and new customers that are going to look that will have work, that are going to look to work with quality people, it's all going to be based on relationships. I think everything else you can pretty much throw out the door. Don't try to work off of pricing. Don't try to work off of volume. Anchor your relationships, and you'll survive through this. At the same time, keep a close eye on your money. There's nothing more important now than cash flow. You have to watch it on a weekly basis. As you know, Trent, we watch that here. That's one of the things. Every night I look at a report to make sure there's no trends that I need to be picking up on as far as cash flow. You have to watch that in your financials. Be prudent. Don't don't extend out and don't get them done. Get them done. You've got to look for your you know, key performance indicators. It's going to probably be 16 months to get through this, which we will get through it, but we have to make sure we're on top of our game.
1: And those are some great points. You know, one we've been getting a lot of calls, you know, all over the United States, um, where contractors are trying to collect from their customers, but their customers have filed for bankruptcy. Um, you know, theaters, uh, restaurants, whatever it might be. And the if I have to give some some advice to our listeners, it's really be on top of your AR. Okay, you, you need to perfect your lien rights as quickly as possible. And the reason I'm saying that is because a a perfected lien is usually a secured claim in bankruptcy, which gives you better standing than an unsecured creditor. So normally, if you just have a, let's say you just have a signed contract and you're trying to go after money that you're owed, that's not a secured claim. Okay, that'll put you down with everybody else. And usually there's pennies on the dollar at that point, if anything. So what we recommend is really being... Um, not necessarily more aggressive, but just more mindful of where your AR is and shrinking that time frame for collection. So many contractors have a tendency to kind of let uh, you know receivables go out, you know, 90, 120, anything like that. that doesn't happen anymore. You know whatever your time frame was, shrink it in half. That's what we're recommending right now. And to to piggyback off of some of the technology comments, I absolutely believe that this difficult time that we're experiencing right now, there's going to be huge technological innovation because anywhere there is inefficiency, I think technology is going to try to, try to replace that. One of the things that, that we have um, seen from contractors uh, is switching their sales techniques to virtual um, because a lot, especially if you're doing residential, there's a lot of, of customers out there that are concerned about exposure to COVID And those contractors that can pivot successfully and switch to a new mode of sales rather than in-person meet and greet, switch to virtual sales, uh, switch to, uh, you know, uh, uh, using digital, invoicing, digital contract signing, all of those types of things, they're going to be able to convert leads quicker. And that's what, that's the kind of uh, place that where we are now is that you've got to be able uh, to grab every lead and try to convert it when it comes in. So, I think you're going to see uh, sort of a, a sea change shift in how uh, construction is done over the next year or two, and I think I think a lot of the inefficiencies that are built into construction are going to start to be resolved through through technology. So I'm I'm excited to see what the future holds there. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Well, what I want to do is is in um, there, but. Uh, For law and mortar moving forward, uh, we're going to use a similar format, and I encourage you guys to call in, uh, email us, uh, talk to us, whatever. Let us know what topics you want us to talk about, Um, and we're going to continue focusing on both uh, the legal side of things and the business side of things. So I appreciate you uh, coming today, and uh, stay tuned for more. As always, it's been a pleasure. John, thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. It's great working
0: with everybody here and out in the industry and look forward to hearing from you all a more.
1: All right. You guys take care.